this week on Culture File, we've been in London at a gathering of politicians, activists, artists, musicians and curators to listen in on discussions about reparations for the slave trade. The conference aims to pave the way for the British government to issue an apology for the slave trade. The conference was organised by the all-party parliamentary group for African reparations, African spelt with a K, to represent an identity separate from the identity forced upon the continent by slavery and colonialism. This time, our correspondent Louise Williams follows discussions about the artefacts and objects that tell the story of the slave trade and of the looting of the African continent for human remains and artefacts. What will reparations mean for museums and indeed all sorts of historical buildings in Great Britain? They also say that ideas around reparations are quite radical. But there was once a time that it was radical that somebody that looked like me could be free, that a woman could even vote in this country and that a black member... There was a lot of talk at the conference about museums and how to tell the story of the slave trade, how artefacts looted from across the continent should be returned. One of the sessions was called Restitution, Writing Historical Wrongs. It discussed stolen artefacts and the display of human remains in British museums. The session was chaired by Anya Kachiwambo, who's with AFFORD, a Diaspora Development Association. Anya Kachiwambo has done his fair share of liaising with British museums about how they present exhibits from the African continent. What you find is just sometimes the carelessness and the contempt. I think it was Glasgow University, they have a human skull on the catalogue and the provenance, the only thing they have is Skull, Southern Africa. So where, which community do you return that to? What about Ireland? Have you ever interacted with Irish museums at all? No, we haven't. We haven't. I mean, I know that on the missionary side there may be stuff. There were lots of Irish uh, missionaries who came to Nigeria in particular, but I know all across Africa, so there may be stuff there. But Ireland didn't... Only as part of the UK did it play that kind of imperial role. Well, it's interesting because there's been a case, and it's not the same context, but there's been a case of uh, two archaeologists from Trinity College who took some skulls from an island off the west of Ireland, and those skulls have just been restituted to the island again. And when you were talking about the skull, now, they were, they were stolen, just to be clear. And so Trinity College did that research and then they had a kind of a, a process of them being returned and honoured. And giving people back their dignity, you know. I mean, we, we, yeah, we're having this argument with the British Museum. We, we found some remains. It's been dated back to around 30,000 years ago, these remains. And one of the things that everybody remarks on that was so amazing is that they were properly buried so you could see that somebody had given them a burial now we've known for 30,000 years that human beings dignify their death in burial so why are they on display 30,000 years later in, in the British Museum unless there's a kind of contempt for the people so these are the issues that we're grappling with here and when we're asking for you know, this practice to change. I mean, I had a, a conversation with somebody from the British Museum and I said to them, look, this is not acceptable and would you like your grandparents to be on display and people to take um, selfies of them? She, he said, oh, I then never thought about it like that. Well, how do you not think about it like that? Let me guess she was white. Yes, of course. There is a museum in Britain dedicated to the history of slavery. It's in Liverpool, and it's currently on a floor of the Merseyside Maritime Museum. 
Liverpool was a major player in the trade in enslaved people. Ships from Liverpool trafficked more than 1.5 million Africans across the Atlantic. The International Slavery Museum is due a big expansion with a £57 million budget and a design for a building in its own right, along with a complete rethink about how to present the experience of enslavement through the objects and artefacts that have survived. Sometimes when you're in a museum and you're exploring objects, you can forget that human beings interacted with them. Here's lead curator at the International Slavery Museum, Miles Greenwood. To take the example of iron shackles, they were forged in places like Birmingham, they would travel to port cities like Liverpool, they would cross the seas to the coast of West Africa and they would be forced by one human being onto another human being. And I think sometimes if you focus just entirely on the materiality of the object, you can lose track of the human history, but the human history is important. So as lead curator and, my, and all my colleagues who are working on this as well, it's really important that we try to do justice to those people and to this history. Um, and part of doing that is presenting some of the difficult realities of that past, but in order to sort of make people think today what it might mean and what we might need to do with that knowledge. I think that no matter what, it's going to be an uncomfortable experience. And it should be, maybe. Yeah. yeah, the reality of this history is uncomfortable and there's no way that, for example, we can engage with material culture such as shackles um, and branding irons in a way that would be comfortable. I think the challenge is, is how we present that history and that material culture in a way that really engages visitors and members of the public with those objects and allows them to consider what they mean to people today and what impacts this has had on the world. Can I ask you also about some of the National Trust buildings around Britain, and many of them were founded by families who got rich on the slave trade. Do you see kind of partnerships with the National Trust or with other bodies to kind of illustrate not just the commercial hub that, that Liverpool was and how it thrived on the transatlantic slave trade, but also the individual families um, that in the past got rich off the back of, of the trading bodies? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think it's just even National Trust properties. I think a lot of museums more broadly, um, their, a lot of their wealth and their collections will be tied up in transatlantic slavery. And National Museums Liverpool is no different in that regard. So there is an importance, I think, in making those connections because one of the things that I often think with the International Slavery Museum is that a lot of the people who come there already come with an element of... Um, intent in that they they know what they're getting themselves into and partially I think part of that they are at least open to the idea of how slavery has shaped the world around them but there's probably thousands of visitors to national trust properties or museums more broadly who haven't perhaps considered how those spaces and those buildings have been built on the basis of transatlantic slavery or have at least been um, influenced by them and I think it's important that those visitors have the opportunity to make those connections. The reparations conference started with a libation ceremony that welcomed the presence of the ancestors into this space at Quakers headquarters in central London. The sessions that followed traced the echoes of violence through the brutal trade that links the past and futures of the people in this room. The event was one of many gatherings around the world this year that are part of a global movement to recognise the urgent need to make amends for the crime against humanity that was slavery. Earlier this year, the Dutch king apologised for his country's role in the trade. At the end of this conference, a call went out for the British government and king to do the same.
Louise Williams there and you can hear all her reports from the Reparations 2023 conference in this week's Culture File Weekly on the air Saturday tea time on RTE Lyric FM or via the Culture File podcast feed.